0: hey everybody welcome to come follow me daily dose i'm lindsey hansen and today's july 18th today i have to apologize i made two huge mistakes (laughs) and i need to correct them the first one is that yesterday's podcast exported on my computer muted or at least my part of it was muted the second half of it was a talk by elder scott and that came out just fine The music came out just fine, but all my words were not there because I exported it muted. So that's my fault. I'll re-upload that on Tuesday. But for now, for today, I need to fix the second mistake that I made. And this mistake happened a while back, but I need to fix it because it would be a shame if I didn't. Remember how a couple of days ago I was saying that I assumed that Come Follow Me would cover 1st and 2nd Chronicles, knowing that 1st and 2nd Chronicles carries the same history as 1st and 2nd Kings. However, it's told a little bit differently. So I thought that maybe it would spend just one week on 1st and 2nd Chronicles to kind of hit some of those stories that we don't get in 1st and 2nd Kings or to hit them in a different way, because really these stories are told much differently or with different details in Chronicles than they are in Kings. However, when I realized that that wasn't the case, that we were just going to get all our history in the books of First and Second Kings rather than dipping into Chronicles, I should have gone back into one really powerful, really important story in the book of Chronicles. And so I'm going to do that today, fully recognizing that this is very much out of chronological order, fully recognizing that... This is throwing a wrench and taking away from Ezra and Nehemiah a little bit, but also realizing that this is kind of one of those stories of the Old Testament that is often just buried in the book of Chronicles, very much overlooked. And it's about a person whose name we all know, but we don't necessarily know a lot about him. And that is King Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat was the king of the lower kingdom or the king of Judah around the time of Ahab. Remember Ahab and Jezebel? Super wicked people in the Northern Kingdom. So this is a while back, and I apologize that I'm just getting to it now. I wish I would have understood then that we weren't covering Chronicles. Otherwise, I would have told this story then. So at that time, the Syrian army was coming against the northern kingdom, up against Ahab and his people. And so Ahab sends notice to Jehoshaphat in the southern kingdom and asks him to come up and to go to war with them. He justifies it and says, well, if they beat us, then they're coming for you next. So it's in your best interest to come and to defend us. And so Jehoshaphat goes and he goes with his armies and he goes with everyone to go to war but he tells Ahab that he wants the Lord's word on it. He wants to understand what the Lord would have them do. And so Ahab calls to his 400 false prophets and he asks them their opinion. And these are 400 yes men, really. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you should definitely do that. We should definitely go to war. You should go with Ahab. But Jehoshaphat being a righteous king, being a good king, said that that wasn't enough for him. He asks Ahab, is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? Now listen to Ahab's response. If this doesn't tell us everything we need to know about Ahab, I don't know what will. Listen to what he says. This is in Second Chronicles chapter 18, verse 7. It says, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him, for he never prophesied good unto me, but always evil first of all, that scripture just makes me laugh. Ahab, I hate him. I hate that guy because he is always telling me everything that I'm doing wrong. And he's never saying anything good to me. I think that that should have been the most telling thing that Jehoshaphat heard. He should have heard that the prophet is always rebuking or calling Ahab to repentance. And he should have heard Ahab's contempt for the prophet of God, and that should have sent him running. But it didn't. He was a good guy. He was a nice guy. And so they send for the prophet of the time. That prophet's name was Micaiah. And they send for the prophet. They send messengers from Ahab, and these messengers go to the prophet, and they say, hey, we're trying to know if Jehoshaphat should go to war with us. And we've already said that he should, and so you're going to say that he should go with us too. And the prophet says, well, no, I'm going to say whatever the Lord tells me. But eventually he goes and he tells Jehoshaphat and he tells Ahab not to go. That Ahab will die if they go. So much so that he says, if you come back alive, then I'm not a prophet. But Ahab goes and he disguises himself so that the people won't know that he's a king. But Jehoshaphat doesn't disguise himself. So he goes in with his kingly apparel, not knowing that the Syrians didn't care about anyone else. They just wanted to kill Ahab. And so they see Jehoshaphat as a king and they think that it's Ahab. So they go after him. Jehoshaphat prays, miracle happens. They lose sight of Jehoshaphat. But then look what happens. In verse 33, it says, A certain man drew a bow at a venture and smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness. So essentially some guy just pulls his bow and just shoots off at chance and ends up hitting and killing Ahab. So Jehoshaphat is spared, but imagine how he must feel. He was told not to go to battle by a prophet. He went anyway. And yes, he was spared, but I can imagine that many of his men were not. And he had to carry that with him. Later in chapter 19, he's talking to another prophet. And that prophet said, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord." So he's saying, what you did was not correct. What you did wasn't right, Jehoshaphat. But look at what he says right after. Verse three, nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, and thou hast prepared thine heart to seek God. We will all make mistakes. We will all mess up. But God can see the good in our heart and is willing to forgive and let us continue on with him. Elder Holland once said, however late you think you are, However many chances you think you may have missed, however many mistakes you feel you have made or talents you think you don't have, or distance from home and family and God you feel you have traveled, I testify that you have not traveled beyond the reach of divine love. Each of us, no matter our mistakes, no matter where we are, God can still and always see the good things in our heart. And that experience prepared Jehoshaphat for what would come next. In the next chapter, the Ammonites come against Judah and the people go out and they fast and they pray and they do everything that they can. But look at what happens in verse 12. Jehoshaphat says, "O oh God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. So essentially he's saying, God, we don't know what to do. We have no power. We have no ability to beat this army. There is nothing that we can do here. But then listen to what he says. He says, but our eyes are upon thee." What a beautiful verse. And what a beautiful recognition for Jehoshaphat to see. There are things that happen in our lives that we feel we are powerless against. There are times when we come across things that we think there is nothing I can do here. I don't know my next step. I have no ability in this situation. There's nothing I can do. Maybe it's a certain trial. Maybe it's a certain temptation. Maybe it's problems with mental health. Maybe it's problems with finances, jobs, children. There are so many different ways where we feel like there is nothing more we can do. Maybe we've tried everything and nothing works. Maybe we just can't see a road ahead to solve our problems before us. But Jehoshaphat, when he was up against the wall, When he realized there was nothing that he could do for himself or for his people, he turned his eyes to God, recognizing that God is able when we are not, that God can deliver when we cannot, that God can see things and understand things that we can't. In those moments when there is nothing else we can do, let's not forget to turn our eyes to God and trust that he can help and bless and strengthen where we cannot. The Lord did come and the Lord did deliver. And my friends, in our lives, when we look to God, it's my testimony that he will deliver us as well in his time and in his way, which might not match our expectations all the time, but we can trust in him that he will do what's best for us as he sees fit, not necessarily as we do. My friends, I testify of the love of God, of his acute awareness of us and his involvement in our lives. He has not sent us here and left us alone, but he is aware of us and involved. He sees you and is anxious to help.